So I can start by saying that I am woefully uncomfortable. And the thing of it is, is that my wife, Erin, has told me for a long time to clean up my office. And I've been procrastinating about that because I really don't feel like cleaning up my office. And the three feet between the door and the chair is always clear-ish. And the desk has enough room for me-ish. And that's all I really need. But tonight, I'm sitting on the futon in the office, which is usually the dumping ground for all the things I don't know where to put. And the reason I'm doing that is because we have a very special guest on tonight's analog. Mike is in the United States of America. But because of that, he couldn't be on the show because he's not in the correct United States of America, if you will. And instead, I'm sitting on the futon tonight because in her podcasting debut, I have my lovely wife, Erin, joining us tonight. Say hi, Erin. Hi. <laughs> you sound super confident. How long did you prepare that? I didn't. Oh, I'm a professional podcaster. Uh, I see. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, um, so we're going to try this. Erin uh, has never been on a podcast before. Uh, I don't even think you've made like an in the distance appearance on ATP or anything. Like Absolutely that. not. So here we are. We're going to give this a shot. Erin uh, has told me on, num on numerous times that she's not sure how this is going to go, but I told her it'll be fine, darling. Don't you worry. So we'll see. And maybe no one will ever hear this because we'll decide maybe it wasn't such a good plan. But we're just going to go ahead and see what happens. And as with every other episode of Analog, we should start with some follow up. We talked last episode. Well, you're not caught up on Analog, are you? I'm, I think, two weeks behind. And why are we behind? Because I had a baby a year ago. And then, well, but you listen to the show, don't you? I do. Uh, when do you listen? When do you listen? I listen when I'm able to take a walk with Declan each day. Um, but it's been really freezing cold and raining a lot. So I haven't been able to go on a walk for uh, probably about a week at this point. So I got behind um, after I had Declan. I didn't listen for a couple months because I was in whole baby uh, haze. And then once I started to come out of the haze, then I started to do my best to uh, catch up. But it took a long time. But I am very proud that I'm only two weeks behind at this point. Yeah, I am proud of you as well. I was just giving you a hard time and getting you to fill in for the listeners. Um, it has been pretty much Britain outside for the last week or two. Um, I don't know how Mike does it. And the advantage of me poking fun of Britain in this capacity is that Mike can't defend himself until, of course, he cuts this when he does the edit. But we'll <laughs> see what happens. That being said, um, so you've been listening while, while you've been on walks with Declan. And um, we talked last episode, which, we, which you haven't heard yet, about what you and I did this past Saturday. Although when Mike and I talked about it, it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> so would you like to tell us about the UVA Tech game, Aaron? It went about the same as it has for the past 12 years, 11 years, 12 years. This was a 12th loss. So for the past 11 years, it went about the same way. And I'm not surprised. So that is to say that the good guys won? No. <laughs> but Tech won. Mm -hmm. We're just going to leave it at that? You know, since, the, <laughs> since podcasting is a visual medium, darling, would you like to explain to the listeners what you just did? Absolutely not. <laughs> listeners, I, su I suspect you'll be able to fill in the blanks there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we went, to, uh, we went to UVA and we went tailgating, which Mike and I talked about ad nauseum last, uh, last episode. And we had a lovely tailgate. Um, we had brought uh, pancake batter. We had brought eggs. We had brought bacon. And when we arrived, uh, Aaron and I looked at our friend Brian and said, 
all right, well, why don't you get the griddle, you know, set up because he has a griddle thing for his grill. And he looked at us and said, no, 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 you guys are bringing the griddle. You have the electric griddle, right? Uh, what? So we had to make do, and thankfully Brian had decided to get uh, Bojangles fried chicken and duck donuts on the way to the tailgate, and that's what we did. And we went to the game. It was an unbelievably beautiful day, and it was not a very entertaining game, no matter who you were rooting for. But nevertheless, it worked out okay. Yeah. It was kind of a boring game for the most part uh, until the end for you guys, but um, to be fair... Who did I say should win this game? Because you are a loving wife. You said to me, you know what? This is your head coach's last game, um, potentially, or certainly his last regular season game. Um, and I think really what it boiled down to was you knew that Hokies everywhere, you know, Virginia Tech graduates everywhere, would hate UVA even more if they kept us from going to a bowl game. And that really was our head coach's last football game because he had announced he was going to retire after the season. And had we not won this game, we wouldn't go to the bowl game, the postseason game. So it would have been a disaster. But because you were a loving wife, you said, you know what? I think you guys should win. How about next year? What do you think about that? Oh, next year? Next year, our divorce is back on. (laughs) (laughs) I see how it is. (laughs) Would you say that you were a gracious loser? For the game? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I thought I was. You tell me. I thought you were as well. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just curious what you thought. Would you say that I was the world's most gracious winner? Uh, you were actually pretty good this year. This year. <laughs> what has happened in years past? Oh, we don't have enough time. Oh, come on. We, we can go long if we need to. We have three sponsors. <laughs> um, no, suffice it to say, I think it was the first year that we had gone together um, was it the first or second? It doesn't matter. One of the f- very first times Aaron and I went together to one of these games, um, the, the Virginia Tech won by a lot. It might have been about 52-14, not uh, that I recall. There and, it is. And we were walking back uh, across campus, or as, as you calls it. I was getting there. And we were walking back across grounds and uh, went to the corner, which is this area um, right off right off grounds um, where like all the bars are and stuff. And there was a UVA alum that was getting a little bit obnoxious about me wearing Virginia Tech stuff. And I tried to be a gracious winner and it didn't work. And I felt bad. You tried? Failed miserably. (laughs) But that's okay. It's all right. But we made it through. Are we married? I'm wearing my rings. Are you wearing your ring? Or my ring, I should say. Are you wearing your rings? Uh, Of course. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, no, we are remarried. Everything is good. Uh, We survived, which is super important. And I am very happy about that. But we'll see what happens next year. Yeah. Next year, we're getting a new coach as well as you guys. So next year, we will see. Yeah. Next year might get a little ugly. Yeah. So uh, we'll watch. do some follow up year from now. <laughs> we, should. we should. Even if Mike's back, we should have you on and just uh, see. Tell tell the listeners about how miserable I was when you guys finally beat us. If that even happens. Yeah, exactly. Thank mm-hmm. you for already admitting defeat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, another thing that Mike and I talked about last episode, which I wanted to give you a chance to uh, air your grievances about was we did. I believe it was the last episode. We did our Apple Watch update. Um, we had talked about how we felt about the Apple Watch, you know, roughly six months in. And you wrote a really lovely review um, for me or for my website of what you thought of the Apple Watch about a month in, I think it was. And I thought maybe you could give a brief overview of what you think now that it's about six months in. Uh, You know, I feel bad when people ask how I feel at this point, having had it for a lot longer than I did 
when I first wrote that post. Um, and I gotta say that I feel about the same. Uh, I still have the same things that I like about it, the same things that I don't like about it. I hate to be boring. I really do, especially because it's the first time I've ever been on a podcast, but, uh, I I haven't really changed my mind. I don't love it. I, I didn't love it then. I don't love it now. I wear it. I think more because now it's habit to just put it on in the morning, um, which I know also sounds terrible, but what is your favorite feature of this thing that you barely even pay attention to? (laughs) I do. I will say that I do like that when I get a text, uh, I can feel it on my wrist and I can glance at it quickly to see who it's from, what it's about, you know, or whatever, because usually throughout the day, since I'm chasing after, Uh, one-year-old, I don't have my phone on me all the time. So it is definitely very nice to be able to have that feature. That's true. I I think that I appreciate that more now than I did then. Um, Because at that point, Declan, I think either wasn't crawling or was just starting to. So he didn't really go anywhere. Uh, But now at this point, since he is kind of all over the place, then my phone gets left in the dust all the time. So (laughs) that that is a nice thing that I... I do like about it. And what is the thing you think you like least about it? Uh, I don't have one thing. I don't see it as being uh, other than able to get my text without my phone right next to me. I don't think I have found anything that it helps my life do better. Oh, that's fair. I mean, to be honest, I don't really use a lot of like third party applications. And what I said to Mike, which you haven't heard yet is that I think it's crowning feature is as like a notifications triage device, which is basically what you just said that being able to figure out why is my phone want my attention quickly and occasionally handle it. And oftentimes just note, Oh, this isn't important or, Oh, this is important. Let me get my phone out. Um, having that ability is really, really nice. And that's my favorite part about it, but I don't use it near as much as I thought I would for like apps or things of that nature. I use it very rarely for apps. Um, in fact, I can't really, the only thing that I think I use it for is when I do go on a walk, I do have it track that walk, but I have a Fitbit that I still wear that I actually like that better in terms of what it tracks um, and what it's able to show me on the computer once it syncs up. So I don't think I really actually use it for any apps, which is terrible. Everyone's going to hate on this. <laughs> no, 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 it's, there's nothing to hate. The idea is just to hear what your thoughts were. And of course, you know, Mike and I are both predisposed to like this sort of thing because we enjoy gadgets and we enjoy Apple. But for you, I mean, I wouldn't say you dislike gadgets, but they don't really rev your engine, if you will, like they do a lot of my nerd friends. Correct. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I appreciate it. Um, all right. So at this point, we should take a pause and we should talk about Uni. And I believe Mike wanted to do this read, so he's going to do this read right now from the future. Hello, everyone. Yes, I wanted to record this ad because this is a product that I have personal experience with. So I wanted to make sure that I could tell you all about it today. I hope that you're enjoying the episode so far. When I'm recording this, I've already listened to it, so I'm actually really enjoying it. So I hope that you will too. This week's episode is also brought to you by Uni, a wood-fired oven that is fast, portable and affordable. Uni takes only 10 minutes to heat up and just two minutes to cook a pizza, a fantastic tasting pizza of which I can attest to because I have eaten pizza cooked 
buy an uni. I went to Christian and Dorina's house and tasted uni pizza that they made for me and my girlfriend. Pizzas cooked in an uni cooked so fast that in the time in between pizzas, you can get the next one ready and just get them ready, put them in, put them out, put them in. It's like a lovely little factory assembly line you can create for yourself. You have to stay on it because the uni cooks them so quickly. It weighs only 22 pounds. So not only will you be able to easily find space to store the uni, because it's nice and compact, you can put it in any garden or outside space, you will also easily be able to just throw it in a bag and take it on a camping trip or to the park. And talking about bags, coming in December, uni is introducing their own cover bag, so it will be easier to transport your uni wood-fired oven wherever you want to make some tasty pizza. Wood-fired ovens usually cost in the region of about $1,000, but uni is less than just 300 It's super affordable. This is one of the key factors of uni's design. Christian and Dorina wanted to make it super available to anyone, and it really, really is. I love the way this thing looks. It's got a really cool design, and you put these little pellets in it, which are lovely and sustainable, and you can cook absolutely fantastic-tasting pizza. And the best thing about uni is that it makes great tasting pizza. It's all you'll need to get in to wood-fired cooking. To find out more, you can go to uni.net. That's U-U-N-I.net. They have a brand new video on the website that shows you all about the uni and exactly what you can do, and you can find out more by watching it. And if you use the code ANALOG at checkout, you'll get the new uni cover bag free when you buy an uni 2 wood-fired oven. Thank you so much to uni for supporting this show and Relay FM. And now I'll let Aaron and Casey get back to it. All right, so we should probably talk tonight about who is Erin Liss anyway. And she just looked at me and her eyes got really big. I thought it would be interesting to spend a few minutes talking about who you are and kind of what your whole life has been and what what you're all about. Because, you know, li- the listeners, for better or worse, have gotten to hear more than their, more than their fair share, more than my fair share of, of my story. And I thought maybe we could talk for a few minutes about, you know, what's your story and how to, how did you and I come to be? And, but more importantly, how did you come to be? And so I thought we could start with, you know, just telling, telling everyone, like, where did you grow up? Um, you don't sound like you're from around here, but are you from around here? Where, where did you grow up? What, what, how did this come to happen? I'm not so sure if I should take offense to that or <laughs> you should not. Or if you do wait until after the show. Ah, I see. <laughs> uh, that's really open ended. So you might need to, uh, help me out here a little bit but um i did grow up actually in the roughly the same area that we live in now which i never thought i would be back here not out of angst just never saw myself being uh so close to where i grew up um but here my whole life went to the university of virginia which i know has been talked about before um And then met Casey towards the end of my time there. Um, And so through many different ways, we ended up here, back uh, outside of the city of Richmond. So you went to UVA. Did you go there for your entire college career? I did not. Um, I actually went to a different school at first. Um, I went to a teaching school, Longwood College, although now it is Longwood University, I believe. Um, I went there for one year, but knew fairly quickly once I was there that it was not the place for me. And so about midway through the year, I decided that that was going to need to change, or at least I was going to try to make it change. And so 
I applied to one school and one school only, which looking back was a really dumb thing to do. But <laughs> thankfully, UVA decided to accept me. And so I started there for my second year and um, continued there and ended up going through my fifth year um, so that I could complete my master's degree at the same time, well, with one extra year as my bachelor's. So you graduated with a bachelor's and a master's, even having transferred in five years. Correct, but you don't need to make me sound so <laughs> something. It's impressive. It really is impressive. And as much as I am obligated to hate the University of Virginia, especially given the proximity to our football game, it, it is an unbelievably good school. In fact, I was paging through the UVA magazine that you got earlier tonight in the mail, and I believe it said that, that U.S. News or Forbes or someone had ranked it the third best public school in the country. I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at. It's, oh, we moved down to third? That's a bummer. Right? I, mean, <laughs> uh, I think one I think one of, one of the uh, places said it was third. It may, may have been second in like U.S. News or something like that. But nonetheless, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an extremely impressive school, and to get out of there in, in five years with, with both a bachelor's and a master's is also very impressive. And, and I believe you are unequivocally the most educated on your side of the family. Is that correct? Mm, to my knowledge. Yep. That's right. And on my side of the family, my dad has a master's and some of my more extended family um, has uh, MDs, but my immediate younger brother has a bachelor's. I only have a bachelor. My youngest brother is, as I like to joke, studying to be Indiana Jones. He's, I don't believe he has his master's yet, but he's getting it and will eventually get a PhD, but he isn't there yet. Um, so basically, Aaron is the uh, presently anyway the most educated child on either side of the family, which is uh, pretty impressive and something to be proud of. Um, Thank you. So, what did you like about UVA? How did you end up there? What was what 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 brought you to UVA? Uh, so much. Um, where I was, I. It, it was a very good school. I have absolutely nothing against it as a school. It just was not the school for me. I came from a very rigorous um, high school, and I was actually in a program at the high school that was even more rigorous. And so when I went to Longwood, I found that a lot of the classes I was taking, the sciences especially, were things that I'd already done in high school that I had already mastered the concepts of and so it just it wasn't as challenging as I needed it to be I know which sounds really snooty but it just it was hard to go through a class that I'd already been through basically and I knew that it was being paid for at this point and a lot of money was going into something that I had already done um, on top of that it is an excellent education school but I found it to be more geared uh, towards the younger grades. Um, at least that was my experience. I know plenty of people who went through it, um, a lot of elementary school teachers, but some high school as well. Uh, but I found it to be more geared towards the lower grades. And so, um, again, I wanted something that was going to help prepare me for the secondary school. So I decided that I needed a change. And I had heard really, really good things about the school of education at UVA. And so when I applied there, I, I applied to what's called the College of Arts and Sciences, which is where I was going to get my bachelor's from in biology. Um, and then my plan had been to apply to the education school once I was there. But once UVA sent me the acceptance for 
the program to get my bachelor's, they actually asked if I wanted to apply to the education school at that time. So I went ahead and did so, got accepted into that. So I technically started my master's program when I entered UVA, which again was my second year. So I started there. And from the moment I stepped on grounds that first day, I knew it was a much better fit for me um, in so many different ways. And loved my entire time there would not do anything differently. Um, and am sad still that I am not there anymore. <laughs> would you go back like to school? Would I to take classes? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Most in, definitely. In like a master's scenario or would you just want to audit and not really get graded or anything like that? Um, master's or possibly PhD. Really? Yeah. I had this conversation at your parents' house one time. I don't know where you were, but <laughs> <laughs> apparently I was talking to your parents about it. Well, I mean, I knew you were kicking around the idea of doing a master's. I don't think I'd known that you were kicking around the idea of doing a PhD as well. What would you yeah. be a doctor in? I, oh, I just, uh, something with education. Um, but Are you looking to be a superintendent? No, no, definitely not. I, I mean, these are all just things that I talk about in so far as I know it's way down the line. This is not anything that I would do right now, so... We'll see. Fair enough. You uh, always knew you wanted to be a teacher? No. What did you want to be then? I wanted to be a veterinarian. But? You're going to hate me. Everyone's going to hate me on this show. Jeez. Um, So I don't know if I ever told you this, actually. But I, during my junior year of high school, well, a few things happened during my junior year of high school. I had an amazing teacher who taught me classes in the subject that I am the worst in, which is math. He taught me um, statistics and um, maybe trigonometry. I don't remember. But um, he was super awesome at helping me learn a subject that I had never been able to learn well at any point in my life, um, especially after having other terrible teachers in it um, the year or years prior. Uh, but he, so he really, really helped me to understand that even if I'm not the best at something, I can still learn it. And, um, he really instilled in me that teachers, there are some teachers that really can be patient and help you. And I really wanted to do that for other people at that point, or I started thinking about how I wanted to do that. At the same time, I was taking AP Biology, which is a college-level biology course. Um, again, super rigorous high school, and loved the material. Did not, uh, funny enough, did not like that teacher um, because I did not think that or feel that she helped the students the best that she could. But loved the material. So those two things together um, really kind of started me- making me think that. Coincidentally, those two teachers, a couple of years later, ended up getting married. How weird is that? <laughs> Um, but the other thing was that at about the same time, I went, uh, with a friend of mine to visit Virginia Tech because I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian and tech has an amazing vet school. Really did not like the campus of Virginia Tech. We walked around. Did I ever tell you that? You did. actually. Okay. Okay. Um, we walked around and the whole time I just kept thinking to myself, this is not where I need to be. This is not where I need to be. This is so not where I need to be. But then I also went to Longwood and realized that I shouldn't have gone there. So apparently I wasn't the best at making that decision, but (laughs) 
I knew that's not where I wanted to be. On top of that, I already started thinking that I maybe didn't want to be a veterinarian and had this amazing teacher who I wanted to emulate. And so all those things combined and I just realized that I wanted to be a teacher and that was that. So you're living in Charlottesville. We meet, which is mostly inconsequential. And I think I've gone through it on this, on the story, uh, on the show before, but we meet and I'm living in Charlottesville and working in Charlottesville. You're looking to get a job and you ended up getting a job here in Richmond. And I had pretty much begged you to, well, that sounds a bit bad, but I, 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 said to you if you wanted to move back in with one of your parents who are still in Richmond and we'll just see each other as uh, you see each other on the weekends so you don't have to commute an hour each way um you can feel free to do that and because you're the best wife ever what did you end up telling me is this the year that we were engaged is that what you're talking no about? I thought it was our first year no it was first year we were married right well my first year of teaching was the year that we were engaged oh right 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 Thanks right, right. sorry yep yeah <laughs> So this is going well for me already, listeners. Yeah, <laughs> it was such a long time ago. Yeah, well, there, there is that. I don't blame you at all. But no, it only sticks out in my mind because, well, obviously I was engaged to you, so obviously it sticks out in my mind. But mm-hmm. um, I had my first year of teaching at the same time that I was planning my wedding. And I don't know what else I could have done to make that year more busy or more stressful. But yeah. So, so yes, it was, uh, the, the year that we were engaged was my first year of teaching. And so I lived in Richmond, uh, with my dad so that I could plan the wedding cause it was going to be in Richmond. And so I could concentrate on my first year of teaching. Right. I'm sorry. So you're, you're absolutely right. I got those years conflated. And then once we got married, you know, I, I said to you, you know, if you want to still kind of live in Richmond, then I understand. I don't want you to, but I understand it. And you said, you know, I don't know if that's really for me. Yeah. I think the conversation was more, should we do half and half time? Um, I don't, I don't at least recall the conversation being about how we should, um, spend the time apart but but maybe it was it really was a long time ago um no so i moved back to charlottesville and commuted an hour each way which i know for a lot of people is 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 nothing and power to you i have great respect for that but um about i don't know five or six months in i realized that that hour was the most boring drive ever and something was going to have to change. Um, so, um, yeah, that's when I think you started to look for a job in Richmond. Well, yeah, you had been looking in Charlottesville and at the time, all anyone was saying was, Oh, it's so easy to get a job. If you're a science teacher in high school, everyone, every high school needs a science teacher. They always are in need. And you looked all around Charlottesville, couldn't find anything. And so I eventually said, well, screw it. I'll look, I'll look in Richmond and it ended up being your brother that basically got me a job um, at a consulting firm here in Richmond, and we moved. Oh, he was your way in. He didn't get you the job. Well, you got fair. yourself the job. I, I like Darling. to hope so. I like to think so. But but yes, um, and, and so that's when we moved to Richmond. And it's it's been weird because we go back to Charlottesville fairly often for football games and things like that. But in some ways, and it's very odd to say this as a hokey, but in some ways I kind of feel like Charlottesville is our home because that's where we met and that's where we dated and and whatnot. And I don't know if we would ever move back necessarily, but I I do miss it a lot. And it it makes me happy when we get to go back. Yeah. I mean, it's very cool. Obviously I have a lot of memories there before you, but I feel that when we visit, I feel almost like 
my life with you there sticks out more um even though we were there (laughs) even though we were there for comparatively a shorter time than i was there at school um by myself before you but um it's so cool i think to be able to go back and look at places like our first apartment and things like that and I'm really excited that if we're still in this area when Declan's older, I'm really excited to take him back, even though he is not going to care at all, because what kid does care about how their parents met until Mm -hmm. they're much older? But anyway, uh, just take him back and be like, oh, look, this is where we did this, or this is where we did that, or, you know, things like that. And then when he wants to go to UVA, Mm. then we'll be able to go take tours and stuff, and I can be a tour guide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you forget, darling, that I was the president of yeah. the Hokie Ambassadors right before I graduated, the Hokie Ambassadors being the tour guides at Tech. So fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there are a few people that can walk backwards and talk better than I can. And trust me, he does it all And I do it the all time. the time. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you uh, for a few minutes about um, teaching. And you had, we, we had just discussed how you landed there. What is it like being a high school teacher in America in the 2010s. I mean, you started teaching in the late uh, 2000s and, Mm -hmm. and you had decided or we had decided, I'd like to think um, when, when you were pregnant that you were going to at the very least take a year off and potentially even just stay at home. Is teaching really that hard? I mean, you get the summers off, so how bad can it really be? I should ask you that question since you were around for pretty much my entire, or actually you were around for my entire teaching crown. We just established that. Uh, So I should ask you, is teaching really that hard? The teaching is much harder than any human being can possibly imagine. It is an amazing job, and I am so, so grateful to have done it. I'm so thankful that I had that job for eight years. Um, But it is, if you are to be a good teacher, and I am not going to get into who's a good teacher and who's not a good teacher, if you have questions about that, email Casey. (laughs) Um, but if you are a good teacher, then it is one of the hardest things that anybody could do. Well, what makes it hard? I mean, like I said, you do get the summers off, so you don't have to worry about that. The The school day is If you hear things short. in the background, it's me throwing stuff at Casey. <laughs> summers off. How many summers did I actually have off where I didn't have to go to conferences and I didn't have to take classes? And... Oh, no, I know. It's just the listeners don't I know. I know. It is true. And I heard that all the time. Um, so I know that Casey's just playing devil's ad- advocate, but... Um, no, summers were not off. Uh, but even on top of that, even if we did have summer, summers off, which by the way, would have been about two months, not three, which everyone says. <laughs> it's so true. But, I hear so many people talking to Aaron and they're like, well, you get three, you have a, th- a quarter of the year off. It can't be that bad. Right. Mm-hmm. And every time I see daggers flying from her eyes. Yeah. Because at least where I taught, we ended the school year in mid to late June, and then we had to be back mid to late August. So that was only two months off, but that's okay. Uh, And then during the summers, um, I usually had conferences that I had to go to, which usually were not in Richmond. So I usually had to travel and stay overnight for the week or however long it was. 
um, classes to take. Um, if you taught AP, which is what I did, which again is a college level course, um, then you have constant emails from students and parents about the summer assignment and about the class in general and things like that. So you have to be um, constantly checking your work email and getting back to parents and students about anything like that. Um, just different things during the summer. Um, so it was never truly off, even though I definitely slept in and I definitely, you know, took care of things around the house that I never could get to during the school year. But anyway, I am digressing a lot because now I'm talking about the summer. So the school year, the actual like part of the job. Um, gosh, what is not hard about it? Um, no, well, you have to plan for the classes and depending on how many different types of classes you teach, you could be planning for several different um, I think I usually had about three different preps, uh, meaning three different classes that I would teach. I would teach the AP level. I would teach the honors level. Again, this is all in biology. And then I would teach the standard level, um, which sometimes would include the special needs children. So then you also have to plan according to them. Um, so planning just took so much time. And I... I would definitely reuse the same material each year, but not only do things change, but I always wanted to make my presentation of the material better. And so I was constantly reworking things and constantly trying to make things better. Uh, beyond that, the grading is insurmountable. It's just never ending. Oh, come on. You don't give homework in biology class, right? So what is there to grade? Something else is about to fly across the room. <laughs> um and so there's always the things to grade. Um, like what? Test quizzes. But beyond that, just if there were labs that we had done, then I would have to grade lab reports. Um, AP would write essays. And so I'd have to grade essays. Gosh, I don't even know. So many things. Um, but then on top of that, then you're constantly having to... Um, respond to emails from kids and their parents. And where I taught, the parents were uh, what we call helicopter parents, meaning that they are constantly hovering. And um, a lot of times that was fine. I had no issue with that. But sometimes you would run across a parent that their mission in life was to make your life the worst thing ever. Um, and we don't necessarily go into it. I don't know if you were trying to no, no, get no. to this part or no. not, but uh, no, I had one especially bad one my very last year of teaching. And so that really helped in making my decision to not go back because uh, she definitely made my life, life horrible. I mean, it got to the point that I was genuinely kicking around. I don't know if I ever said it to you, but I probably did. I was genuinely kicking around the thought of like filing a restraining order against this person because she was getting to the point and we don't have to go into the specifics, but she was getting to the point that it was just absolutely egregious and about a kid who really didn't care nor tried very hard and it was just out of control. And so it's interesting to me anyway, because I don't know a lot about teaching, but I know a lot more about it after having seen you do it for eight years. I, w I always feared you ending up in a school where there were violence problems and and things of that nature. And, and the school you taught, I don't think was like that at all. 
But it turns out that every school, and this is what I think I learned, every school has its own problems. And granted, I think it's safe to say you never really felt unsafe outside of America's recent obsession with school shootings. Um, But you ended up dealing with a boatload of problems with parents that instead of being not involved at all, were over-involved, like Mm -hmm. you were just talking about. And and this woman got to the point that I genuinely was thinking that some sort of legal action might be necessary because she was just relentless. Definitely. Um, No matter where you are, you're going to have some issues, Um, be it parent issues, be it kid issues, be it admin issues. There are always going to be issues wherever somebody is teaching. And it just so happened that... I had a lot of different problems at the school that I was at, like any school, but I would say a large majority of the ones that really made me start seriously thinking about leaving teaching came from parents, um, which is sad, which is terrible uh, because they were adults just like I am. And to have one person treat another person the way that some of these parents treated me and other teachers, it was just terrible. Uh, but you can't change people. So you deal with it the best that you can. You get your administrators to get behind you. And um, for the record, I had my principal there for every meeting. I had a counselor for every meeting. Um, The school resource officer was notified at certain times when she was in the building so that uh, if she tried anything, then he was to come a running. But, um, But yeah, some people, the way that they treat others is just amazing. Yeah, it really is ridiculous. But on the other side of the coin, I've personally watched you inspire three or four kids, I believe, to become teachers. And so this has all come full circle in a lot of ways because you had spent a few minutes uh, a little while ago saying that, you know, your your math teacher really inspired you to be a teacher. And I know of at least a couple of students, if not a handful of students, that at some time or another have said to you you inspired me to become a teacher and I don't know that I would be a teacher were it not for you. Yeah. And these, uh, the kids are why I and so many others stick with it. And were it not for the kids, I mean, no one would be there, but the pay is so good in America. So why would you want to leave? Yeah. The pay was awesome. (laughs) If you can't tell kids that's sarcasm. Um, the pay in, in America for teachers is, it's not even funny. Like it's, it's not funny, and then it's not even sad funny. It's just plain sad. And and on my website, off and on, I'll talk about how disrespected teachers are in America. And it really, it's something that I don't think I would have cared that much about, I'm sorry to say, had I not been with Erin and had I not seen what she goes through. I mean, even when I've worked my hardest in my career, I can say with an honest heart, and I would say even if she wasn't in the room, that Erin worked harder normally than uh, than my peak work times as as a developer and she did so for a literally a fraction of the pay that I got now admittedly uh, my job is not necessarily as fulfilling as hers is on a good day anyway but i on the other side of the coin it disgusts me that the teachers in America aren't treated the way they should and i grew up in a fairly affluent section of Connecticut, um, the particular town I was in was an unremarkable town, but most of the towns around us were very wealthy. And the town we were in was not poor, but just not very wealthy like everyone else. And I might have told the story before, but every year when I was in high school, towards the end of the year, maybe in like April or so, the pieces of paper that we had were always perforated about two thirds of the way down um, the short way across the page. And then 
from there uh, downward to make like a T perforation. And at the bottom of these papers, it said Danbury Hospital Radiology Department. And the reason that we needed this paper is because we had run out of money to get Xerox paper for our classes and for our kids. And this was in a relatively affluent town in Connecticut. And it's absurd to me because I would watch, even as a high schooler, not really understanding anything about life, I would watch these relatively affluent parents vote down budgets where, where the schools would be getting more money simply because they didn't want to raise taxes. And it's insane to me how disrespected or, or how not respected teachers are. And if you ever want to get me really fired up easily, ask me about what I think about how teachers are treated because it just really grinds my gears and it drives me insane. So relay that feel to your teachers <laughs> that, uh, that they're appreciated and, and we, and we respect them. No, um, oh, thank you for saying all. It's very kind. It's, I, I know that you would most likely say that because you're married to an ex teacher, but, uh, I do appreciate it. And I know that many other teachers would appreciate the sentiment as well. It's true. Um, as a final note on teaching and, and the story of Aaron Liss, what do you miss about teaching? Uh, well, just like we were starting to touch on a second ago before you went on your little deserved mini rant. My bad. <laughs> uh, the kids. I miss the kids so much. They were amazing. Uh, not all of them, trust me. There there are some <laughs> kids who are those special little snowflakes that I just... Oh, it was tough. I mean, I loved them all in their own way, but oy, some of them made it a little tough. But um, I do miss the kids. I do miss the standing up and teaching a subject that I am so passionate about and that I love so much. And there are times when somebody, Casey or whoever, will ask me a question about how something biological works or what does it mean or what does it do or whatever it is. And I find myself going off on this like 10 minute blurb about how all these different things. Um, and uh, I just I miss doing that. I miss getting up and talking about something that I love so, so much. Um and so that that's hard not to have. It's hard in a different way to not have the constant interaction with other people. Um, I do, I do get out uh, pretty much every single day with Declan. We go somewhere, we do things, and so I'll talk, you know, small talk here and there to people. But I do miss the colleagues that I was close to. Um, I still keep in touch with some of them that I was the closest to. Um, and I see them every once in a while, but it's not the same uh, to be able to pop on over to somebody else's classroom and just talk about whatever. And it's hard, even though there are high schoolers, it's hard not to have that many people around just to, to say stuff to and, and talk through things with or whatever. But um, I also miss that a lot of my kids would come in either before school or after school or during their lunch break or whatever it was, basically a time when they did not need to be in my classroom. And they would just plop themselves down on a stool at my desk and just talk to me about whatever. Sometimes it was about biology, but a lot of times it was just about their life. And I love that so many of them felt so comfortable with me that they could that they knew that they could come in and talk to me um and I miss that I miss that a lot but like Casey was alluding to earlier I do have a bunch of students that I do still keep in touch with and that I see 
um, occasionally. And so I keep up with them that way. Um, several of them have now graduated college, which is God, we're getting so old. weird. Uh, but it's also very cool because I see them starting to start the rest of their lives. And several of them are teachers now. One of them is in the same county that I taught at, although at a different school. One of them is at a county next to this. It's just, it's really cool to see that. And I taught them a while ago. So it's very cool that I've been able to keep up with them and see how their lives are going um, and see them grow up basically because I taught them when they were 15, 16 years old and now they're really adults. And that's a very special thing that I'll be able to remember, you know, for years to come. No, I, um, it, in, in so many ways you make me proud, but, um, but you're, ability to teach and, and the time that you spent teaching. And, you know, I've gotten to know a, a very small handful of the students that you taught and it's clear, abundantly clear that you meant the world to them. And that's not something you often get in a parent or a parent in a, a teacher student relationship. And so, um, I get fired up about it because I, I saw what you went through and I saw how much effort you put into it. And it makes me sad that, that not a lot of people appreciated that, but but I know your kids did, and uh, and I know I do, and and so thank you for that. And to make a terrible segue, you know what else we appreciate, Aaron? We appreciate Harry's, and the holiday season is upon us once again. <laughs> and you really need to uh, work on gift giving. In fact, you and I were working on this just yesterday. Harry's has a bunch of great options for families, for friends, for Secret Santas. Um, no matter what you're shopping for, Harry's probably has you covered. Um, you should go to harrys.com to find some awesome gifts for the important people in your life. They have a great range of shaving sets and whoever it is that's lucky enough to receive something from Harry's, I can assure you that they will be impressed. In fact, Harry sent me a, a, a shaving kit, uh, as a sample, as a thank you, as a holiday gift. And I haven't had the opportunity to use it yet. But unboxing it was like unboxing an Apple product. I mean, you were there when I did it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it was very impressive to look at. Uh, you could even argue that you don't even need to gift wrap the darn thing because it's pretty much solid the way it is. And also consider that whether you're a man or a woman, you can treat yourself as well and feel free to get yourself a very fine Harry's razor. Um, Harry's has a whole bunch of great sets this holiday season and prices start at just $15. Finding the perfect gift from Harry's couldn't be easier and doesn't involve any frustrating trips to the mall. Harry's.com is super easy to use. It takes less than 30 seconds to place an order and their customer service is fantastic. Harry's not only makes their own high quality grooming products, but they also give 1% of their sales and 1% of their time back to the communities they serve so that you can feel good about a gift that gives back. And as we've talked about numerous times before, Harry's decided to buy their own company or own, their own factory to build their own razors. That is out of control. So go to harrys.com right now. And as a special offer for listeners of this show, Harry's will give you $5 off your first order with code analog. So make sure you uh, go ahead and place your order soon. Free shipping for the holidays ends on December 10, which is just a few days after this episode comes out. So act now. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Or if you're Mike, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Uh, enter the code analog for uh, $5 off your first order. Harry's makes every morning feel like a holiday, kids. 
So go to harrys.com. And thanks so much to Harry's for their support of, of Analog and Relay FM. All right. So, Aaron, for just a couple of minutes, I wanted to talk a little bit more about you than I have a topic that I know you're going to be super excited about um, after that. You right. made some brief mentions of it before, but I thought I'd ask, what's being a mom like? Oh, my goodness. It's everything that people ever would say about it. And then so unlike it. <laughs> uh, I can't really say one sentence that would encompass everything. But it is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And um, I am so grateful that we have been able to have the chance to have a child. Um, and I know that you've talked about uh, the troubles that we had in conceiving him. Um, but in so many ways, now being on this side of it, it's easy to say, but I am some, in, in a way, grateful to have had those troubles. But um, it, it, however you want to slice it, it's it's amazing being able to have a child um, and watch him grow up and watch him learn. It's It's just amazing. So you don't regret having quit teaching? For a lot of reasons, I don't regret leaving teaching, no. Um, I, I do miss the kids, but I do not regret. I have never regretted, to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever regretted leaving teaching, no. No, I don't think you have either. Was the transition difficult? Uh, yes and no, actually, um, because I found out or we found out that I don't know what the correct terminology is. I found out I was pregnant. We found out we were pregnant. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I was pregnant and we found that out. Uh, we found out in early March of 2014. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think hard about that. It feels like forever. Though. I know it does. Um, but because of that, I was able to finish out that school year which again ended in June. And so I had the talk with my principal in May of that year about not coming back. And he actually very much encouraged me to, instead of just flat out quitting, to take the next school year off instead of, and see how I feel instead of just being completely done, which I thought was super nice of him um, and is actually what I ended up doing. Um, I initially took just the next school year off. Um, so because of that, I had the summer as usual. Um, I did not have any classes or conferences or anything. And so, um, that was nice. And so that felt normal. That was not a weird transition to stop a school year and have a summer. But what was weird was when the next school year started, um, because I was, I was due in early November of 2014. Um, and, so I had a couple of months when the next school year had started before I was going to have him. And that was weird. Um, all these things that I saw my old colleagues doing and everything, I was not a part of. And that was bizarre. Um, so I had a little bit of a weird time then, although it not in a, oh my gosh, I wish I was doing that, just in a wow, I don't know what a fall feels like without going back to school. <laughs> I never had that before. So, um, but it was, it was so nice. Um, and I was able to take those couple of months and still prepare for the baby and uh, just 
sleep as much as I could, which I took every opportunity to do. Um, so yeah, I didn't really have a hard time adjusting to not teaching. Was it hard adjusting to being a mom though? Yes, most definitely. I, I, I don't know. Um, I never thought that I would have such a hard time, but you know, as well as I do, I was a complete hot mess for the first (laughs) month or so. Um, but I, as cheesy as it sounds, I had an amazing husband who helped me through everything when I had my meltdowns and my crazy moments and, um, all of that. Um, I was listeners, I should tell you, I paid her to say that (laughs) if only, (laughs) Oh, that's cold. Uh, no, I, I did have a hard time adjusting, um, love Declan from the very first second that I saw him, loved him before I saw him, but Um, I just, I had a hard time figuring out how to make that work. So I was actually just talking about this with a friend of mine today when we, uh, met up to push our strollers around the mall. Nice. (laughs) Because it was cold and rainy outside. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that's my life now. Um, anywho, um, so I was talking with her because she just had a baby uh, about a month ago. So he is exactly minus two days, one year younger than Declan, um, which is very cool in and of itself. But anyway, um, so I was just talking with her about a whole bunch of stuff, uh, more about the whole, uh, you know, first month since that's where she's been right now. But um, I was talking with her about how when people tell you it changes your life, things are going to be so different. Your life is never going to be the same. You conceptually understand that you understand logically the words that people are saying, but you, you do understand that your life is going to be so different. But I truly honestly don't think that there is a single thing that anybody could say to another person that would convey exactly what it's like to have a baby. Um, Obviously, I've only had the one, but I would assume that it is just more life altering for the first one. And and it's so true. And she she actually had first said it to me about how she thought she was completely ready. And um, she actually had had a bunch of fertility issues as well. In fact, more than what Casey and I had had. And so um, she said she felt guilt over sometimes thinking about how, oh, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know if I can do this, not in that kind of way, but, um, just the, it's so, it's, it's so much more than, than she was ever prepared for, which I completely understood. And I told her it was completely normal because I felt the exact same way. So it is, uh, there's just no way I think to prepare another person for having a baby. It's completely unlike anything, anything else. Yeah. And it's even harder for you than a lot of people because you don't get an off switch. You're not going to a regular job. You're not, you know, dropping Declan off at daycare. You are on always, which is something that's not the same for everyone else and something that you should be proud of. But also, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault you for being a little, maybe not sad, but, but stressed by, um, so true. It's very hard. Um, and especially because as you know, Declan has never been a great napper. Uh, he has his days where he does great naps. In fact, today was one of them, but for the most part, his naps are hit or miss and he'll always go down for a nap, but they could last 
20 or 30 minutes, or they could last an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, but a lot of times, if I don't have a little bit of his nap time, it just makes my day so much harder because I don't have downtime for myself. I don't have time to wash the dishes or the laundry or anything like that. And so, uh, some days, some days are really hard, but at the end of the day, I, as cheesy again as it sounds like I look at him and I just think how lucky and blessed we are and I'm just so happy to have him um and he's a pretty cute kid so he is the cutest baby <laughs> he is the cutest baby. Now, I don't know if that's really true of course but he is a very cute kid and he's he's a cool kid um he definitely has his moments he definitely can be a crank in fact, uh, just a moment ago, we had to pause recording because he decided to wake up in the middle of his nighttime sleep and scream bloody murder for a couple of minutes. But generally speaking, and I know it's easier for me to say, he's a really, really good kid, and he's a pretty awesome kid, and I hope he stays that way. Uh, what's your favorite part about staying home with him or about being a mommy in general? Watching somebody learn anything for the first time is amazing. Like I saw, you should teach. I know. I was just getting ready to say, I saw that to some degree as a teacher when I saw students learning biology, but this is somebody learning life. It's amazing. It really is very cool. And I, I mean, I'm not saying anything about any parent who decides to go to work, stay home, whatever, whatever is best for that person you do. And, and I don't think that that takes away at all from being able to watch your child learn. And in fact, I think that you see a lot of when, when Declan is learning something for the very first time. Even if a person is not there for the very first whatever, I don't think that that really matters. And I know that might be a little easier for me to say, but I really do think it's true. Um, the first time a lot of times is either by accident or with a very large tumble at the end of it in whatever that they're learning to do. But it, I will say that the absolute best of staying home, of being a mom, of watching Declan is just watching somebody learn life. And there are so many things, like just so many dumb things, you know, learning to pick something up. It's so cool. Watching him learn how to pick his head up. Amazing. He's not walking yet, but I'm sure that's going to be just as amazing, even though I'm terrified of that, because then he's going to be running everywhere and he's going to outrun me and it's going to be awful. But um, watching somebody learn life for the first time is so amazing. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And I understand that one of us probably has to leave the house to go to work every day, despite what I've talked to Mike about on and off for the entire run of the show. But it makes me extremely happy that one of us is lucky enough to be there. And it makes me happy that I still get to see this, like you said, in fits and spurts. I don't get to see it quite as gradually as you do. And there are definitely times that I'll come home and he'll be doing something different. And I'll say, oh, wait, when did this start? Oh, you know, a few days ago. I just I, I didn't even think about it. And it's because you see him all the time. And so for you. It's because some things are so gradual mm -hmm. that I don't think about it one day being there and the next day not because totally. it's, it's not a day-to-day -day thing. It's been over a longer process. And these are more minor things. These aren't things like rolling over yeah, or no. anything like that. No, in fact, when you rolled over for the first time, didn't you send me a movie or like FaceTime me right after? I, the first, whichever way he rolled first, this is 
terrible, but things become a blur after a little while. Um, whichever way he rolled first, I got on video um, as it just happened. I, I don't even know how I did it, but I got that one on video. And then the other way that he rolled. Um, so, oh, he rolled belly to back first. So I got that on video the first time. And I sent that to you immediately. And then when he rolled back to front for the first time, um, I didn't get that on video because I didn't have my phone on me. But um, I FaceTimed you right after. And I think he did it again. Yeah, I'm pretty sure immediately. he did. So, mm-hmm. um, so you were, I mean, pretty much there for, for both of those. Yeah, definitely. What's the uh, least favorite part about being a mom or, or a stay-at-home mom? I mean, in any capacity, what's been what's been the hardest, most difficult, least favorite? I mean, uh, whatever superlative you choose. Yeah. Um, I think it is hard not having interaction with people who are not a one-year-old um, during the day a lot. That is hard. It is hard trying to juggle everything. Um, because even if I don't have pressure from anyone else, meaning Casey, I have pressure from myself to get household things done during the day. And so, um, needing to take care of the baby or toddler as he now is, I guess, um, I know, uh, and try to get everything done around the house. It's hard. And, um, Thankfully, <laughs> we have an app where I still, the only thing that I keep track of on it is uh, how long Declan sleeps. And so Casey can tell in a day because they sync up with each other or we both have the app. So therefore they do sync. Um, but Casey can see, okay, Declan had two really crappy naps today. I'm going to go home and just take Declan away. <laughs> yep. Or on the other hand, like today, um, he'll see that he had really good naps and know that, all right, Erin probably got something done around the house or she just had time to herself. And so knows that it's going to be a safe zone walking into the house (laughs) in the evening. Um, But yeah, I would say the the two hardest things are, are just not having a lot of adult interaction and trying to do everything. Yeah, and I try very hard not to put pressure on you to get the laundry done or to clean the dishes or whatever the case may be. And I know there's times that I fail at that, but I'm, I try very hard not to put that pressure on. And um, and the thing that's been hard for me about being a dad, other than just leaving you guys during the day, because that really honestly is hard, and I really wish I could be here with you. Um, but one of the thing that's, things that's hard for me is if I have a really crappy day at work and I want to come home and just sit here, Sometimes I do, but the better and more right thing to do is to give you the break that you've been needing for the last eight or nine hours. And it's hard when he has a crappy nap day and I had a really crappy work day to come home and try to be super dad and like take him away from you and give you a break. And it's not unreasonable for you to want a break. What you're doing during the day is considerably harder than what I'm doing, but it's hard to get out of your own way and it's hard to to be there for the two of you when all I want to do is just go sit somewhere quietly and just do nothing. Yeah. And I think that's hard for both of us. And I mean, whenever, whenever you have a bad day, I mean, it's, it's hard to compare it to somebody else's bad day. I mean, whatever is bad for you is bad for you. And you know, 
and that that's all there is to it. But yeah, I think it's it's hard for both of us to try to balance that correctly. And I think that sometimes we do a really good job of it. I think sometimes we don't do a good job of it. But what I appreciate is that I feel that usually once Declan's gone to bed, we can kind of talk about things and you know say what worked, what didn't work. Or that's when you say, okay, I just need some time to mindlessly be on my computer for a little bit or, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I do, I do appreciate, and I always tell people that it's so nice that when, especially when Declan has crappy nap days or even, I mean, just normal days where I have been with him the entire day, it's nice to have you come home and immediately step up and just say, I'll take him. You go, you know, shower or, whatever it is that you need to go do, just go ahead. And while I love having time, the three of us, I also really like my little bit of time that I have in the evening where I'm just away for a few minutes and can just breathe without having to worry about somebody else. I can only imagine. And it's funny because there are times when I'll try to keep him I don't know how to phrase it better, but I'll try to keep him away from you on like a weekend morning so you can have some time to sleep in or you can have some time to, I don't know. Have Wait, a couple- what? That doesn't happen yet. Well, you, you know what I mean. I know what's happening this weekend, kids. Okay, <laughs> you heard it here first, listeners. Um, no, but, you know, to give you a chance to sleep in or give you a chance to have a coffee without getting, you know, nagged constantly or whatever the case may be. And and after, you know, two or three hours by myself with them, oftentimes I'm exhausted. And, and right? I'm... And, and I'm <laughs> And, and I'm ready for a break. And it's very humbling to remember that I can give him to you in these scenarios because, you know, it's a weekend or whatever, but you don't really get that option because it's just you and, and any family that you have nearby is at work. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's a hard pill for me to swallow because I, it reminds me how difficult your job is. And, and I've said to people, and I will continue to say to people that you changed the hardest job in the world, which is being a teacher for, well, in America anyway, for an even harder one. And, and I I honestly don't know how you did either of them. Yeah, no. And I, I do agree with that. I mean, teaching was incredibly hard. Uh, but I think that being a stay at home mom is, is really hard in, in a very different way. Um, but yeah, no, I do appreciate all the times that you, uh, try to take him away at least for a little bit, or, you know, you take him and go get us breakfast on Saturday morning or, you know, something like that. But, um, it's also hard because I love our family time so much. And so, especially every Monday that you have to go to work, I feel like I'm my saddest then, which I know sounds <laughs> so like weird, but it's true. And that's usually why I text you sometime on Monday morning and I'm like, <gasps> can't you just work from home or, you know, can't yep. you just, uh, have a job here <laughs> or whatever. But, uh, no, I do. I, I feel like our family time is so much fun. And, um, and a lot of that is because Declan is such a cool kid, but, uh, I don't know. It's just for so long, this is what we've wanted and, and now it's here and I feel like it's going so fast. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I'd like to segue into a mini topic and then I have something that I know you're going to be really excited to talk about. Um, what has it been like for you to listen to me talk about conceiving and, 
and and having um, and and you being pregnant, and then and then having Declan, and now raising Declan. What's it been like for you to hear that? Um, in in the conversations I have with like Mike or occasionally on ATP, is it is it odd for you to hear? Is it good? Is it bad? What what is that all like? When I first started listening to Analog, uh, and I so Analog was started when I was fairly pregnant. I was seven ish months, something like that, because it was August, right? Yeah. Um. So I started listening to it on walks. I would take walks around the neighborhood. Um, I tried to do a few miles each day. And so I had it as one of the podcasts that I would listen to on the walk. And um, and so I knew, again, I knew in my brain that you were going to be talking about like personal stuff. But the first time that you really talked about me and us, that was weird. That was really weird. <laughs> And I was walking in the neighborhood, like, pregnant belly out there, like, just looking like a moron, because I think my mouth, like, dropped open. I <laughs> I don't even want to think about how I looked. But, uh, yeah, it was really weird. Um, mostly because it's just not my thing, obviously. I don't do podcasting and never had thought about doing it. Thanks, Casey. Well, <laughs> so it was it was weird and I think it took me a little while to reconcile it in my head that first of all you were talking about me or us and that people were listening to it and so people knew things about me even if I don't know who they are and that was that was weird and it still is kind of weird now but I think that I, I've kind of gotten used to it um the episode where you talked about our troubles conceiving um I think that if I'm remembering correctly, we had a brief conversation about that before that episode, just you asking if it was okay if we talked about, or if you guys had talked about it. Um, so which I was fine, um, because at that point your blog post had been written. Um, and so, you know, there wasn't much more in terms of detail that you could give on that. Uh, but it still, it, it still was a little bit weird in a good way though. That one was in a good way uh, because I felt very alone while I was going through the fertility issues. And I know you did as well. And it was very hard because we didn't know anyone else uh, at the time that we're going through issues or if anyone was, no one talked about it. And fertility is just one of those things that there is a stigma uh, for people who are having issues and no one really does want to talk about it. And I think that is so wrong. Um, and so at this point I talk about even about, uh, I don't even know, a couple of years into us having fertility issues, I started to be more open about it with people. And, um, I know obviously it's easier for me to talk about now, now that I thankfully have a child, but, if I can help people at all, even if people can just vent to me about it, I feel that at least I can say, I understand. I know the place that you're in right now and it sucks and it's terrible. Um, so I think when you talked about that on analog, that was great because you could reach so many people and, um, and hopefully touch one of them, you know, if not more than one and, and allow them to say, Oh my gosh, thank you so much for talking about that, which I know that you've gotten feedback and that's just, that's amazing. So 
Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It, uh, I appreciate it. And um, it, it was weird. You know, that's episode five that you're talking about when it was uh, Mike and, and Stephen Hackett and myself. And that episode in many ways is it might be my most proud moment as a podcaster because that episode was extremely difficult for all three of us to do, but I think might be the most significant thing I've committed to tape, if you will, as a podcaster. And, and it was very difficult. And, and the three of us, I think were were teary eyed, if not in tears, at least once a piece during that episode. And if you happen to be listening to this now and haven't heard episode five, um, Definitely, it, it. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a sad episode, but it's an intense episode. And um, have tissues nearby. I cried during the whole thing, not just during Casey's part. I cried during the whole thing, not just because I was pregnant, <laughs> but I cry easily no matter what. So, um, but no, that episode was absolutely amazing. Um, well, thank you. So it was good, and uh, and I will always be forever indebted to uh, to Mike and Stephen both Stephen for for not only uh, being a guest on the show, but for sharing his story, and for Mike sharing his story, um, which I know is not something, believe it or not, that he's normally into. Um, to take this to a hopefully lighter place. Yeah, sorry about that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, hey, I asked. Um, kind of building on what it's like to hear me talk about things. What's it like to be the wife of a podcaster or spouse? I should say of a podcaster. Uh, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I don't really, um, I don't have much in the way of like a lot of thoughts on that. I just, for me, it's okay. Casey is busy, uh, a few nights a week, you know, where I, for the love of everything that is holy, do not bother him. Do not talk to him. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, unless the house is burning down. Um, but no, I mean, to me, it's great. I think it's awesome that you have time where you can talk to people, talk to your friends about things that you want to talk about. Um, that, you know, especially with the nerdy stuff on ATP that I just, sorry, can't wrap my head around. <laughs> and so I'll nod and smile until the cows come home, but I just cannot get it. And so it's so nice for me selfishly that you have your friends to talk to about that kind of stuff. It's great that you have analog where you can talk to your friend who lives in England, like at least once a week, although I know you guys talk a heck of a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, but for you to have that outlet, that's great. Um, and to have that time to talk to your friends is, is wonderful. And so I think the only time that um, I had an issue was when Declan was first born and Analog was recorded an hour earlier. Um, and so that was hard just because I had to do bath and bedtime routine all by myself. Um, but then we had to talk about that and you and Mike were able to thankfully work it out to make it an hour later. Um, and so that solved that issue for me. But other than that, I, I think it's great. Um, and like I said, I listen to analog whenever I can. And so that's also fun because then I hear things, a lot of times I hear things that I already knew about you or knew that you had said, but sometimes I hear little nuggets and, uh, those nuggets are the best. <laughs> and then I get to say, Hey Casey, tell me more. I about heard. 
Yeah, that happens usually at least once an episode. Or I'll either get a text message and I'll know she's on a walk or when I get home. So tell me more about. Uh, yeah, those those are the best. Um, those are so fun. Um, so yeah, so for me, for me, it's it's good. Did you think anything would come of neutral? Do you remember when when uh, Marco released neutral that very the very first yes. one? Oh my gosh, that was crazy. So at the time, that was crazy. at the time, I still had a lot more Twitter notifications because I think I had like 400 Twitter followers or something like that. Hey, don't knock it. <laughs> well, yeah, we I, I skipped the uh, Mike Casey Twitter battle, but uh, but suffice to say, I'm comfortably both of us are comfortably beating Aaron. I love you. Oh, but um, not after this episode. What's up? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so I had a lot of Twitter notifications on like mentions and follows and things like that. And we were at dinner with a friend of ours, Phil, and all of a sudden my phone started going berserk. And it was because Marco had just released the first episode of Neutral. And it was, in, in retrospect, it was a very funny moment. Um, did you think, Aaron, that anything would come of that? You know, I thought that you would have... Well, okay, to be fair, I was not in the podcasting world at that point. Like, I didn't listen to podcasts. I had, you know, I didn't really know what you were getting yourself into. Um I thought that there would be an audience for it. I knew that you were passionate about it. And I knew that John and Marco were excited about talking about cars and all of that. Um, I had zero idea that it was going to be a big deal. Um, well, let me assure you that neutral was not a big deal. Okay, <laughs> in my mean. world. Yeah, well, and, and, and <laughs> I know what you mean. Deal. I, I, because it ended up that ATP has become a little bit of a big deal. Yeah. Right? Um, I mean, super embarrassing, but uh, that's what the show is for, right? Um, it's all about the feels. <laughs> here I was thinking that I was going to make my little wifely contribution and post it on Facebook or something that my husband had <laughs> made a podcast. <laughs> And then your phone goes bonkers, and I'm like, "Well, guess that's not needed." <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So that was that was very cool. I was so excited for you at that point. Um, and then obviously when ATP came about, that was amazing. Um, and then analog. I mean, just every step has been really cool. And um, I have only seen a quasi quote unquote Casey sighting in the wild. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really count because Casey wrote his signature before the guy actually said anything. So it doesn't really count. Well, plus it was at an Apple store. True. Exactly. Exactly. So it doesn't count. So I haven't been able to see one of those in person yet, but just hearing about the, the Casey sightings that there have been, that's been, that's been weird, but, but very cool. So, um, and your parents actually were witness to one, weren't they? Were they? I or I thought that it was at the Apple Store that they that they asked if they were my parents. Or oh something like that. yeah, I think you're right. You know, are you Casey's parents? That's right. I think that's what it was. But anyway, that that quasi counts as well. But yeah, well, and the funny thing is, we were at a Mute Math concert. Um, this was about a year ago, or no, it was. Well, it doesn't matter. It was recently, and you had gone to like get food or something like that, and returned back to me. And a listener had actually approached me while you were running off to get food or whatever. Yeah, it was. so mad. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. Like the the gentleman who I met, and I, forgive me, I don't remember your name, was a really nice guy. But I was kind of disappointed that that the timing just barely missed, so that you couldn't see that, which yeah. would have been really funny. Yeah, that's okay though. Um, how would how would you say me being 
a voice on the internet has affected the way in which I treat the internet. And remember, we're already running a bit long, so try to keep your answer a little bit short. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Can you clarify that a little bit? Do you think I have a healthy relationship with the internet? How long we got? <laughs> Not that long, Aaron. <laughs> uh, I think that you have gotten better. Yes. Um, and I think now you have a much healthier relationship with the internet. Yes, I do. Um, I think that at first it was a little touch and go. Uh, just, just in the way that I felt that you were glued to your phone or your ipad a lot more than now like you still are but love you too (laughs) there's been a large improvement um so so yes i do think that you have gotten much better um and for the most part i'm a lot happier with how you approach it now that makes me extremely happy um and i appreciate you saying that um were you excited to do this guest spot? This is to be completely honest, right? Yes, you are. I was not excited at all. <laughs> well, why not? What, what was? What is there not to be excited about? No, I am so happy that you're able to do this and that you get so much joy out of it. But this is not my corner of the world. And uh, to be honest... I know you said this earlier, but I did not know at all what we were going to talk about tonight. I had no idea it was going to be about me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) So I am so sorry to all of you who have made it this far um, and and are are wishing that you hadn't wasted however much time we have spent here. Um, So if you have terrible, awful things to say about me, please don't tell me. In fact, email Mike. Yes, Mike wants I agree. to know. <laughs> Mike would love to hear all about it. Uh, yeah, so I I hope I haven't been awful. Not at all. And either way, it's I've been the one ans- asking the question. So really, it's the it's the problem of the interviewer, not the interviewee. Yeah. Right, Mike? Yeah, Mike yes. will tell you all about it. He'll he'll probably end up critiquing my interviewing skills, guaranteed. I hope he uh, says something at the end. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we'll have him dub in his or uh, a follow up on the next. Yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. We'll have him dub in his reporter, for, like you said, follow <laughs> yeah. up on the next one. Uh, no desire to be part of the Real Housewives of uh, Apple oriented podcasting. Oh my goodness. Okay, if the other ones are going to get in on that, then all right, maybe. No, I'm just kidding. I I. I will never say never, but I, this to me is a one-time thing and, uh, and I hope that you've enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's it. Uh, no, I, I very much appreciate you filling in for, uh, for Mike this week and we're not quite done, but, uh, I, I do appreciate oh. it. Um, there, I had one more topic before some relay your feels that I wanted to talk to you about. And I have a feeling this one's going to go much easier for you. I'd like I'd like to talk about the holidays. Okay. Because we are now we have made it across the moat that is Thanksgiving. We are in the Christmas season in earnest. Aaron, do you like Christmas? I love Christmas. Why do you like Christmas? I don't even know. I don't even know. And for a long time, I kind of fought it because I was like, everybody loves Christmas. That's so boring to love Christmas. You should love St. Patrick's Day. But then I do. I do love St. Patrick's Day. Casey was born on St. Patrick's Day. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Everybody mark it on your calendars. Yep. Uh, but I, for a long time now, have fully embraced my complete and utter in-loveness of Christmas and I'm not ashamed. 
when does uh, Christmas season start to you? Well, so before Christmas season always started December 1st. Always, always, always without fail. However, uh, I think last year maybe I started really thinking about it. And I realized, wait a second. If I start celebrating on December 1st, that's only 25 days of celebrating Christmas. Because on the 26th, you really can't celebrate Christmas anymore. It's just weird. And so that's not fair. That's not even a full month. And other holidays, like Halloween gets more than a month. Like people start celebrating Halloween in September. So uh, I started to tell Casey last year that I thought we should start celebrating Christmas the day after Thanksgiving. You still can't go before Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is awesome because it's all about food (laughs) and you can't interfere with that. So the day after Thanksgiving is acceptable. And I started putting the pressure on, gosh, like in October, maybe about, hey, you know, day mm-hmm. after Thanksgiving. And Casey was very much anti it. However, well, well, day after Thanksgiving, what, what makes it the Christmas season at that point? Thanksgiving's over. No, but I mean, like what changes about our behaviors that makes it Christmas You listen season? to Christmas music. Ah, yeah. And uh-huh. then you can decorate. Yeah, well, but. Not a lot of decorating is happening because you have a little bit of a full-time job. Yeah. But can you imagine getting out the Christmas decorations with Declan running around? No, I cannot. And we're Uh, still trying to figure out what we're going to do about a tree because we're usually natural tree buyers. You know, we get an honest tree each year. Yeah. Hey, so if anyone has an idea about what to do with a natural tree and a one-year-old, that would be great. Yeah, because we only have one baby jail and it's currently around our entertainment center (laughs) to keep the baby out of it, coincidentally. (laughs) So maybe the answer is we need another baby jail. Yeah, I think so. One way or another. um, So so the the Christmas season starts the day after Thanksgiving, so that's Black Friday. And and really it starts mostly in terms of Christmas music, is what you're saying. At least for me. At least for me. And what makes you like Christmas music so much? I don't even know. What's not to like about Christmas music? (laughs) I mean, it's just so, like, you can't listen to it and not smile, right? I mean, I tend to agree. Do you have any particularly favorite Christmas albums or songs, perhaps? Um, I really actually like the Family Force 5 album. Um, Which I mentioned on a blog post about a year ago, which we'll link to. I know it's a little bit funky, and it might be too funky for some people, but I really love it. In fact, there's one song on it that's been in my head all day long, and I'm not going to sing it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, But I love that album. Um, For more traditional things, I like Mannheim Steamroller. Um, Are you really going to leave out the one that I know you really love, oh which gosh. I've actually come to love as well? Now I feel terrible. What is it? You're going to leave your boy Clay out in the cold? Oh, uh, you've come around to Clay? Oh, that's true. I guess you kind of have. Um, yeah, Clay Aiken's Christmas album from forever ago, I really love. Um, that's definitely a really good album. Um, but I will pretty much listen to any and all Christmas music. I don't really... I. It, it will take a lot for me to turn off Christmas music. That's the truth. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle for me because I listen to probably more podcasts than I should. And I typically listen during the workday. And for the last few days, you know, we were recording on the night of December 1st. For the last few days, I, um, I've been struggling to decide whether I, you know, try to keep my podcast queue down or if I listen to Christmas music. And I've been trying to balance as best I can. Uh, I think Erin and I both used to be of the opinion that you can't listen to Christmas music until the month of December and hence her comments earlier. But 
even though I'll, I'll pretend like I'm a, I'm a Scrooge and I don't want to listen to Christmas music until December, it only took a little bit of prodding before I internally decided that it was going to be Black Friday. I made Aaron work for it because I'm a jerk like that. But mm. really, I decided pretty quickly that, no, I need some more Carol the Bells in my life. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like Black Friday? Do you go out shopping at three in the morning like other crazy Americans? Do I go out shopping? Absolutely not. I can't no. imagine you getting up at three in the morning to do much of anything, no. to be honest. No. Nope. I like my sleep. I am so glad that we are past the um, getting up every couple of hours at night with a baby. Um, it was fine while it lasted, but I need my sleep. Um, no, I try not to go out pretty much at all on Black Friday, um, especially around where I think the most shopping is going to be taking place. I have no desire to be part of any of that. I knew people who do love it and they are really all about it. And that's awesome. But that is not for me. Yeah, I don't get it either. I've never done it. We actually had to go to Walmart this past Black Friday um, because we realized we needed something kind of desperately and uh, we knew it would be open and we were petrified of this trip, even though we were going to run in and run out and get something that probably wouldn't be bought as a gift. As it turned out, it was pretty much empty in there, which was surprising, I guess, because it was so late on Black Friday. And we talked to a couple of the employees and they said, oh, yeah, it was actually Thanksgiving night. That was crazy, which to me is yeah, just insane. Which is so bad. I don't but... know why you would go do that and not spend time with your family. But, you know, to each their own. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of gift buying, what makes a good gift, Aaron? Uh, see now now you're backing me into a corner <laughs> why is that <laughs> because somebody told me earlier this evening that he has no idea what to get me for christmas i see what you're doing there you're being sneaky hi uh what makes a good gift a good gift i think is something that and actually i have to admit you're pretty good at doing this um when somebody has said that they like something or they'd really like to have something, but they don't really think about it when they're saying that. And I do that all the time and you get me every time. Um, Hi. And that person makes note of it and, and that's what they get, um, which is amazing for you must like write it down somewhere immediately because I love you, but your memory is not so great. That's true. As Mike has discussed on this very program. I know I've heard about it. <laughs> Great. Um, No, that's why I keep field notes. And that's why you're not allowed to look at them. Yeah, I know. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, No, but I think that's, uh, that's what makes a good gift. Um, Because it means that you've paid attention. And that person is actually going to get something that they want instead of something they really don't want or like, well, I should just get rid of this, but it was a gift. And so I can't and then you know, it just gets thrown somewhere. I I totally agree. Um, Do you what do you think makes a good gift? thoughtfulness not even the expense i mean it's basically what you just said it's thoughtfulness um even if it's i think it's a very easy ploy and i think that's why i employ it so often to just listen out for you or whomever to say oh you know i really like this and and try to remember and try to get that for someone but i think some of the even some of the best gifts i've gotten um were ones i can't think of a specific example i can one of the best gifts that you got for me i think it was for my birthday a couple of years ago i had been lamenting to casey for a while about how i have to cut the stupid shrubs in front of our house with little hand (laughs) cheering things 
I don't care. Best freaking gift. And it took me hours all the time to cut these stupid little shrubs, like with these little hand thingers. And it never, this, sound, this is what sounds dumb. I, it never occurred to me to get to something that would help with that. I just assumed this is what I need to do. And then my birthday came and Casey got me a hedge trimmer and it was amazing. And I can do all of the hedges in front of our house in like five minutes. Yeah. So this is where everyone is listening and thinking, oh, you bought her a bowling ball. Well done. But genuinely, hand on heart, Aaron loves to do the landscaping. I do not like to do well, it. Well, you make landscaping sound fancy. I cut the grass well, and, and trim the hedges. To me, that is landscaping. But either way, uh, she was very excited about that hedge trimmer. That's true. But yeah, so when you don't realize you want, it's kind of like, you know, that people say that engineers um, fix problems you didn't know you had in ways you don't understand. That's kind of what a good gift is, right? It fixes yeah. a problem you didn't know you had in a way that you didn't even think about. Yeah. And, and your example is really good. So I appreciate it. Um, any particular holiday traditions that you favor? Uh, let's see. I love to watch the movie Love Actually. Which we did uh, Which just we a week did. ago. Uh, no, not even because it was the Friday after it was Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. You're right. Mm -hmm. uh, see, day after Thanksgiving. Uh, actually, we watched it with Casey's parents um, who his dad had never seen it and his mom had only seen it once years ago when it first came out. So it was perfect. Um, I only watch that movie around Christmas time, uh, which I know some people watch it year round and that's great, but, um, I, I just don't, um, it's a special thing for me to watch it around Christmas. So I usually watch it a few times around Christmas time. Um, and so we'll probably get another viewing or two in before Christmas, but I definitely, I like that that has become a thing for us to do. Um, and that's one of my absolute all time favorite movies. So, so that's always fun. Um, what else do we do? I like that we have been getting a real tree. I never had a real tree growing up. So that's been kind of cool that we've now made that kind of a thing because Casey did grow up having a real tree each year. Um, so that's been fun. Um, what else do we do? I'm very disappointed. Gosh, Aaron. I'm the worst. No, you're not the worst, but you're forgetting something super obvious that is arguably unique to Richmond. Oh, the Tacky Light Tour. Mm -hmm. Would you like to explain what that is? Well, you've written about it before, so mm -hmm. I just assumed that everyone already knew or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes, but why don't you tell everyone what tacky lights are? No, it's uh, Richmond does this thing where it's it's tacky, but it's cool, um, where some people just put thousands upon thousands of Christmas lights around their house um, in different designs, or they have different decorations out there with lights all around them. And I mean, it is just an obscene amount of Christmas lights. And, um, you go around and you look at them. And so there's, it's now, I mean, people call it the techie light tour where you either can drive yourself or you can, if you want to be really f super fancy, you can get a limo or, you know, ask a friend to drive you, whatever. But, uh, you go around and you look at all these houses that have an obscene amount of Christmas lights and it is amazing. And I've done this since I was a kid and I lived here. And then when Casey and I met and I was like, we have to do this. And we have done it, I think, every single year that's that we've right. known each other. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that you're right. I should have thought about that. I'm the worst. No, I can't think of my feet that fast. You're not the worst by any means. Um, the other thing that to me is a hallmark of Christmas, other than the obvious things of like food and, well, and family, right. um, is my favorite Christmas movie, Claymation Christmas. <laughs> 
So when I was growing up, I don't know how this happened, but there was this TV special. It's all of a half an hour. It, it may be even less because of commercials. Um, this Christmas special that was claymation. So it's um, think of like a very rudimentary version of the like, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, no, not Elm Street. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, but think of it in terms of like Gumby. That yeah, you remember Gumby. Actually, Gumby is a, yeah. probably a better example, actually. Um, so it's kind of like Gumby, and it's claymation, and it's. It's basically like a series of Christmas songs as done by these like claymation figures. And if I were to look at it honestly, it's super cheesy, but it's been a part of Christmas since I can remember. And so because of that, I love it. And uh, we were able to find it on DVD a few years back. In fact, I think you got it for me, didn't Mm -hmm, you? I did. Um, Yeah, see, good gift because you hear Solid gift. Solid gift. (laughs) Um, and so we watch that at least two or three times as well every yeah. year. That's one of my favorites. I thought you were going to say that your favorite Christmas movie was the one that you had me watch last year. You're like, Aaron, you want to watch a Christmas movie? What was that? Die Hard. <laughs> yes. Excellent movie. Excellent, excellent movie. You should watch that, kids. Uh, it's a great Christmas film. Oh, All gosh. right. We should wrap this up really quickly since I know we're running long and that's my fault. But um, before Sorry, we guys. do, we need to do some Relay Your Feels. And if we're going to do some Relay Your Feels, that means we have to talk about another sponsor. And tonight, Relay Your Feels and the rest of this episode of Analog is brought to you by Hover. You'll note that I pronounced that correctly. It's Hover, not Hover or Heaver or Hoover or whatever it is that Mike says. Um, quite simply, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. Uh, I can tell you that with experience, I any of the domains I've bought recently, I've bought on Hover. Um, it's been my place of choice for the last year or two. When it comes to buying a domain name, it's the first place I think of and it's the first website I go to. Whenever you have an idea for a project or or something you're just thinking about, you know, naming it can be a real pain. And once you get that name, you need to know whether or not you can get a domain that matches that name. And Hover has you covered. It's simple. It's fast. It's hassle-free. And they have a gazillion top-level domains. Um, they've also recently lowered the price of uh, pretty much all of the 200 plus that they have. For example, .com domains are now only $13. And what's w- wonderful about Hover is that they aren't sleazy and they do the thing that you really should do. And they offer things for free, most especially who is privacy. If you're not a super nerd, what that basically means is you can figure out who owns a domain and even their home address unless they spend extra money to get this thing called who is privacy. Hover just throws that in for free. And that's really, really amazing. It's super easy to search for domains there. They have all the top-level domains that you'd expect, like I mentioned, like .com, .co, .me. Uh, since Mike isn't here to get angry, I would imagine they have .co, .ook. Um, they have all sorts of different domains. They also have phenomenal customer support. No hold, no wait, no transfer. That's their policy. Um, they're, they're famous for this, and there's, it's a good reason why. Um, when you call Hover, you'll be talking to an actual human being that is empowered to help you, which is really, really fantastic. Also, don't forget about Hover's valet service, where they can take all of the hassle out of switching from your current provider simply because they'll do it all for you. And that is free, whether you have 10 domains or 200 or what have you. In fact, I don't have a tweet handy, but somebody tweeted at uh, either Mike or myself recently that they had switched a ton of domains using Hover's valet service, and they were extremely happy about it. Hover also has a new feature called Hover Connect, which makes it easier than ever to get your new domain connected with your website. So now from the domain admin panel, you can select which service you use, including uh, longtime sponsor Squarespace, Tumblr, Shopify, and many more. And Hover will automatically amend all your DNS records for you. No copying and pasting, no fat fingering to worry about. It's really, really awesome. 
Hover also has so much other great stuff like volume discounts for bulk domain renewal, custom email addresses, storage and forwarding, and so much more. So go to Hover.com right now and try them out. Use the code FORTNITE which is F-O-R-T-N-I-G-H-T. And in case you were wondering, that's two weeks. Use the code Fortnite at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at Hover.com and show your support for Analog and all of Relay FM. Thank you so much to Hover for sponsoring this episode. Aaron, are you ready? Are you sitting down? Of course you are. It is time to relay some feels. So we have two that came in that are... um, kind of related. And if I were smarter, I would have done a little bit of homework and thought a little bit more about this, but I didn't. So we're going to, and you haven't heard of this at all. So we're both going to be going a little bit off the cuff. This is from uh, Nicholas Ward. Do you have a favorite inspiring photograph, some landscape, Hubble telescope, some perhaps even something you've taken, anything that you can think of that is a favorite inspiring photograph? And if not, you can pass. Not that I can think of all the time I had. I'm sorry to be boring, Nicholas. Uh, You're Correct answer, Aaron, was any of the photographs you've ever taken, Casey. Yes. Can we just edit what I said before? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> uh, no, but nothing that jumps to mind. No, like, biology or, like, science-y thing, like a, like a DNA double helix or, uh, I don't know, the portrait of Watson and Crick or anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's on my bedroom wall. Wow. Um no, I mean, I think pictures of things like that, yeah, are cool, but I don't think that I look at them and I'm like, now I'm going to go do science. Like, I, I don't know. Sorry. Stand back. I'm going to try science. <laughs> exactly. um, there was a picture growing up. I, I don't know if I really thought about this in years, um, but to try to come up with an answer that isn't, that isn't one of my own pictures. There's a picture that I saw when I was growing up as a kid, and it was a house on, on like a, not a cliff, but like on the edge of the ocean. And I think it was on like a little bit of a mountain or something. And it had this like seven bay garage that had like a Ferrari and a Lamborghini and Aaron's rolling her eyes so hard. You might've heard it. A, of a, course. A Porsche. And, and like two or three, like a Corvette and like two or three other brilliant cars. And it's just unbelievably gorgeous house up above this garage. And I forget what the caption was. I will see if I can dig this up for the show notes. Please but, find this. But the caption was like success or something like that, implying that that, that if you are successful, you can buy Aaron is losing it. <laughs> implying that if you're successful, you can have all these ridiculous cars. And I always found that to be extremely inspiring, particularly as like a 10-year-old car nut. I know Aaron's surprised. <laughs> Of course, this is Casey's picture. And of course, that is the measure for success. <laughs> All right. So that there was that one. Um, then there was another one. This is from Carlos Franco. Um, Do you have a picture of some goal you want to achieve? Right now, I have Henry Cavill for getting, getting in shape. I don't have any idea who that is, but I'm assuming it's some like somewhat macho guy. Do you have any pictures that you have for inspiring you either health-wise or anything else? Gosh, no, I should probably have a picture of some skinny person to inspire me to to be skinny, but <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, I I was trying to think about I think my my answer for the last one to totally cop out is kind of applicable here. Um I, I think that's a really fun picture. I, I, I don't know, I don't really in I don't really do like space pictures. I'm sorry, Steve and, and, and Jason no. Snell, but like I don't really get into space pictures. Up until we had Declan, my computer background tended to be some sort of car that I really wanted for many years. I don't know if you remember, Aaron, but it was some sort of Aston Martin. Yeah, well, just like I always had uh, a Lamborghini uh, yeah. as my background picture. But 
I don't think that I would say that that is like my life goal inspiring picture or anything. It's just I really like Lamborghinis. Uh, sorry. I, mean, I think that's fair. But yeah, I don't think that I, I... I don't think that there's a picture that I can think of that's like, I want my life to be this. And maybe that's just because I... Well, this sounds really cheesy, but I don't look at other people's lives and think like, wow, that's how I want my life to be. Like, there are definitely things about other people that I admire and might model some things after. But um, I don't know. I kind of like the way that my life is going and don't need a picture to tell me where to go. Because it really all stems from your amazing husband, doesn't it? Exactly. Something like that. All right, one final relay your feels, and we'll wrap this up. Mike and I have already answered this, so um, and I don't know if it was in the last couple of weeks or not, so you may have heard our answers, you may not. But uh, Will wrote in and said, and I'm curious to hear your answer, Aaron, what's something you used to be afraid of that you're not now that you're an adult, or perhaps vice versa? I did hear this, and this is the one where you had such a good, thoughtful, insightful answer, and then Mike was like, I was going to say snakes, and I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I would have said spiders. <laughs> like, Mike, I feel you, man. So you weren't the, you weren't that scared of spiders? I, oh, I'm sorry. No, I, I've learned to deal with them more, because let's be honest, the two of us, I'm this, the spider Truth. killer in the house, Truth. so I've had to learn to deal with them. Um I still don't like them uh, if they're in my house, but, um, so you would say this is a, I've gotten better about it. Yes. I'm sorry. What was the other option? Well, I just, or, or something that you didn't use, used to care about, but now you're petrified. Mm, of. I mean, well, once you had your awesome answer, then I started thinking more along those lines. And so, I mean, I, I don't want to copy what you said, but yeah, there, are, there are things that if I think about it that way, it was just my off the cuff answer was, Ooh, spiders. But <laughs> Uh, which I just thought was funny because Mike was like, ooh, snakes. But then he also talked about why spiders was not his answer. But I understand. Um, but anyway, so so yeah, I my off-the-cuff answer when I listened to the episode was spiders. But then, yes, uh, once you, you said yours, then I, I, I can understand that. And um, I, I would be scared of Declan growing up without me if he didn't have another good parent. Um, yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously I don't want that to happen and I, I would be beyond miserable if that had to happen. But, um, no, I mean, I think a lot of things, once, once you have a kid, like a lot of things just change about your, your priorities. And, um, I mean, not that I obviously ever wanted to leave you prior to Declan. Um, but I know that you'd be able to survive and, and be okay and all of that. It's just, it's different when you have a kid. So yeah, a lot of fears when it comes to that, but, but, uh, I, I know that you would do well by him if, if something were to happen, but well, I appreciate it. And on that happy note, I know that was a really depressing note. Can you do something no, I better? Th- actually? No, I think that was a good, I think that was happy because you said you had faith in me and I'm not sure I have faith in myself, Aww. <laughs> but, uh, but no, Aaron, thank you so much for sitting in on this, on this episode of analog. Um, I know this was not something you were terribly comfortable with and I know it was something that you were not really a- anxious or excited about, but I think you did well. And listeners, if you think that Aaron did poorly, email Mike because neither of us want to know. <laughs> exactly. But um, where can we find you on the internet, Aaron? 
where can you find me on the internet? Uh, I'm, I don't even know my Twitter handle, at Aaron Liss, I think. Yep, that's right. <laughs> on <Way> Twitter? Go. <laughs> you got to prepare me for this. Way to be super confident. Um, but, but yeah, so at Aaron Liss, E-R-I-N-L-I-S-S, you can find me at Casey Liss, C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S. You can also find my website at CaseyLiss.com. And you can find our uh, missing host, Mike at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. He will be back next week, barring some sort of weird occurrence, and uh, he will be editing this episode. So if it goes from the, I don't know, two-ish hours we've recorded down to about oh 10 gosh. minutes, then you'll know that Mike Mike, <laughs> Mike wielded his editing hammer with, with a vengeance. Um, but no, thank you so much, Aaron, for sitting in. And uh, maybe one day we'll talk to you again on the program. We'll, yeah, see. we'll see about that. But thank you for having me. And if you did make it this far, then thank you. All right. See you later, guys. Bye.